Do me a favor, grab your worship guide, turn to the center, if you would, to take some notes with us. If you are following along online, onehopechurch.com, you can click on today's message notes even right now and follow along in detail with our message series. We're actually concluding a series on habits today, and if you've been traveling along with us, I want to encourage you to take some notes. Today's going to be a powerful installment, pretty challenging message as well, and, uh, and I just want to encourage you also to invite a friend to come back next week. We are going to be talking about relationships. How many of y'all are in a relationship, wanting to be in a relationship, found a relationship? See, no hands wanted to go up right there. Like, like, everybody's like, I don't know if I, what should I do here? Listen, when the pastor says, raise your hand, you just do it, okay? That's what you do. Let's try it all together real quick. Raise your hand in church if you love Jesus. Uh, there you go. See, some of y'all said you'd never be a hand raiser. You just did it, okay? You over, overcome one fear today. But next week, next week, we're going to be talking about love and relationships. It's going to be lots of fun for four weeks. We're going to talk about how to, how to relate to people around us, how to relate to spouses if you have them, how to deal with kids. It's going to be a good time. And so make sure that you come back next week. We've been talking about habits for the first few weeks of this season because all of us, all of us are trying to start something new. And today we're going to conclude this series, but I always like to give honor where honor is due. I've had a number of authors outside of the Bible that have really impacted my life in the last few years, and I like to give honor to them because if you've ever read their books, you're going to say, well, Pastor Josh, didn't you get that? And yeah, I got it from them, all right? That's where I got it. But I think when people say things well, it's okay to, to quote them, all right? And so if you've read Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect, you're going to hear maybe some thoughts from there. If you've never read the book, it's a phenomenal book talking about how small things compound in our life and have a tremendous effect. Also, I want to encourage you to look at maybe the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a tremendous book to really affect the way that you approach your daily lives. And the last but not least, Pastor Greg Groeschel is a tremendous resource in talking about habits and how to live our lives. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, why are we talking about habits so much? And the reason we are is because so many of us have similar goals. Almost every single person in the room, if I asked you when you were in high school what your goal was, you would say, well, my goal is to, to, to you know, have a great job, to graduate college, to make a great living. How many of y'all just said when you were in college, what job pays the most money, and that's the one I want? Anybody here? Like, that's how we start. We all start with big goals. We all have similar goals, but the reality in our world is that we have very, very different different results because goals don't determine the results goals help us to set direction but it's actually our daily habits that affect whether we accomplish those things or do them. And so no one ever plans to like, they, you know, like, hey, I'm going to get my first job and I'm going to live paycheck to paycheck. That's what I'm going to do. No one ever says, I want my savings account to be zero. Anybody ever said that? No, 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 no. We don't ever say those things. No one ever says, I, I want to live a life without dreams, without vision, without passion. Matter of fact, I just want to be mediocre, everyone. No one, no one lives their life lowering the goal. No, no, we lift them higher and higher. And for heaven's sakes, no one really plans to be addicted. No one ever plans to lose their marriage. No one ever plans to lose the trust of their children. No one plans to waste their life. But unfortunately, we don't plan to save them either. Unfortunately, because of our daily habits, we don't do enough to make sure that we're going to end up where we wanted to end up. And so we end up ruining our lives in some particular area. But today, I'd like to remind you that no one ruins their life after one decision. We tend to think of it that way, like, oh, I just did, they just did that one thing and then it all went downhill. Can I tell you, we never ruin our lives because of one bad decision. It's usually the same bad decision done over and over and over and over and over again, and then that result shows up in our lives. 
I do like how as a culture we tend to summarize people's bad decisions all in one sentence. You ever notice this? You find somebody that, that, that you know, they just got, you know, marriage just fell apart and we said, well, she just wasn't faithful and so they got divorced. I'm like, is the whole thing summed up in one sentence? Like it just, it was one moment and it was over? No, no, it doesn't really happen that way. We tend to say things like this, like, you know, well, you know, just battle, he just battled with his weight and, and then he died of a heart attack. You know, just didn't follow through and they let him go. We, we tend to summarize everything. We act like the worst things in our lives happen just in that moment. But the reality is most of our lives are heading in a direction based upon our daily habits. And so what I did is I went to the Bible and I went to look for some of these summaries. And some of you may be familiar with Samson. Anybody here remember Samson? Come on, show me those hands. Samson, the story, how, how he delivered the people of God. He was, a, he was a mighty man of God. But we find in Judges chapter 16 in the Old Testament of your Bible that his problem, his mistakes are summed up in one sentence. I want you to read it with me. It'll be on screen. He says, one day. Say those two words with me. One day. One, one day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitutes. One day, so it was just all in one day, all in one day, his life went the wrong direction. He ended up in the wrong place. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Now, I'll tell you that Gaza was the home of the Philistines, and the Philistines were public enemy number one. Samson lived in Zorah. Say that one with me. Come on, everybody. Gaza and Zorah, and there was a 25-mile distance between the two places. And so Samson lived in Zorah, and so in one day, his life fell apart, but in that one day, he had to travel 25 miles to get to the bad place. Now, if you don't realize this, I'm going to help you out with some math today. 25 miles is a long way, don't you think? Now, and it's probably safe to say that there was no Uber in his day, okay? Like, he wasn't calling a car to drive in there, maybe Camel Express, I don't know, maybe that was available. But if I just do some simple math, you're going to come up with 25 miles equals about 56,250 steps in a direction. So in order for him one day just to show up with a prostitute, it didn't happen in a moment, he had to take 56,000 steps, 250 steps in the wrong direction, and then boom, his whole life was messed up because of that one moment. But I would submit to you today that he had 56,250 chances to change his direction. He had 56,250 moments where he could say, nah, that's not working, we can go this way. And what you'll find in your Bible, what you'll find is that there's this, this word that some people don't really understand. In your Bible, it's the word repentance. And a lot of us don't understand the word repentance because we think it's like this harsh or this crying or this overwhelming. No, repentance just simply says, I was, I was about 25,000 steps the wrong way, and then I realized I should go the other way. Because I realized that a prostitute wasn't a good goal. Can I get a good amen from somebody in this room? <laughs> Got three of them just trying to help y'all out here, all right? Listen, 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 listen. You get a moment where you, repentance is just saying, wow, I was heading towards that because the whole world said that's where I should go. And then I realized that, that that direction isn't like God. And so all I'm going to do is repent. And it's just simply turning and going back the other way. Well, Samson, obviously, if you're familiar with the story, didn't do that. And he, he kind of lost everything. He kind of ruined his life, but I would say to you again that most people don't ruin their lives based on one bad decision. It's poor decisions over time. And so if you've been following along in the series, the first week we talked about who do you want to become? 
We've talked about really defining who you believe that God has called you to be and put that down somewhere. And then last week we talked about based upon who you're supposed to be, who you're called to be by God, what's one habit you should start. That was last week's message. Today, here's the question. It's going to be on screen. Based on what you want to become, what habit do you need to break? What one thing in your life do you just need to say, sayonara, it's over, I'm done with you, I'm not going to do that. Now, I'm not going to ask you to break 27, (laughs) we're not going to write a list of all the bad things you've ever done and try to overcome them, no, no, just 1% better. Just one particular area of your life, you say, every time I do this, I'm heading in the wrong direction, I'm going to break that habit. Now, I want you to hear the words of Scripture, James chapter 1 and verse 21, it's the, the literal brother of Jesus Christ, he says, so, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God and accept the word that he plants in your heart, which is able to save you. He said, I want you just to get rid of some things. And today, if you want to accomplish the goals that are in your heart, if you want to hit a particular direction, yes, you're going to have to define who you are called to be Because you can't become something that you don't know what it is. You have to define it. Hey, I want to be like God. I want to look like God. I want to be, I want to have character like God. You have to start some new things to go that direction, but you're going to have to stop some things as well. You're not going to be able to pile everything on top and just keep going in that direction. So what is the one habit you need to break? Today, what I would like to do is just give you a few thoughts in particular areas, maybe that you need to work on. And because if you never define what you're going to change, then you're never going to be able to change. You have to acknowledge what it actually is. Let me say it to you this way. You cannot defeat something you have not defined. If you're not going to define the enemy or define what is uh, hurting your life, you're never going to overcome it. So maybe, maybe it's in the area of your attitude, I've got a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old, and can I tell you, they got some serious attitude. I blame YouTube for my daughter's attitude, everyone. Y'all have never been on YouTube, I guess. She's, she's in love with it, so we have to limit it, and she sees so many things. It's so fun. She's so full of life. She just turned nine on Friday, but I tell you, we've got some attitude around our lives. Anybody's kids have some serious attitude? Any parents in the room sometimes wish they didn't have that attitude, and then you realize that you're the one who gave them the attitude? When your wife looks at you and says, that's you right there. I tell you, sometimes, sometimes we have to deal with that. It's reality, reality for all of us. So maybe it's a critical spirit in your attitude. Maybe you're, you're tending to find negative things all the time. You need to break that this year. Maybe it's a complaining heart. You need to break this kind of, every time something comes up, you just tend to complain too much. Maybe it's gossip. Now, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid, and I tell you, I, I've seen a few people gossip in creative ways. You ever seen somebody gossip through prayer? I have seen people gossip through prayer. Like, Come on, we, gotta, we need to pray for Johnny. What are we going to pray for John? We're just going to pray for John. Lord, bless. Would you just help Johnny as he got arrested last night for stealing that car? And I pray, God, that, you know, like they're gossiping in the middle of the prayer rather than just saying, Lord, just help him, right? Y'all never met somebody like that, did you? My favorite is, uh, you know, Mildred, the church gossip who, who loves to find something and tell everybody about it. So one day she found, she was driving down the road, she saw George, who's a member of the church, his truck was parked out of the town bar up front, and he was there all night. 
And so that Sunday morning, she commenced to tell everybody that George was an alcoholic because Christians don't park their truck outside of a bar all night. And so George was a nice guy. He didn't defend himself. He just was quiet. He just stepped back and, you know, he, he went out that same night and he decided to park his truck in front of Mildred's house all night. George left his truck there, in the words of Lionel Richie, all night long. <laughs> Gotta love George, right? That's how you deal with the gossip sometimes. You call him out on it. But here's the deal. Remember, we're not trying to break 27. We're just trying to break one. Just one. Maybe your particular habit is in the area of your physical life. Maybe it's overeating or sweets or fast food or snacks. Maybe you're just like you're very focused in this particular thing. But here's the deal. If you don't define it, you won't defeat it. If you don't define what it is, you won't defeat it. Maybe it's in your digital life. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're enamored with and overcome with video games. For some of you, this will blow you away. The average age of a gamer is in the late 30s right now. So some of the people who are playing video games more than doing other things are, are grown men and women. Some of you would like to blame it on the men, but no, no, it's grown men and women doing these things. Maybe, maybe your digital life needs to change. Maybe it's too much social media. Maybe you're binge watching television. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just a particular area in your digital life that's just opened up too much and you need to stop. You just need to draw a line in the sand and say, I just don't need that in my life anymore. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's too much sugar or nicotine or prescription pills or alcohol. Maybe it's a person in your life that it's just time to distance yourself because every time you're with that person, things go, go poorly and you wake up ashamed. Maybe you wake up because of that. Now, today, I, I, I told you earlier that this was going to be a very challenging message. And so if you're here for the first time, come back next week. It's love and relationships. It'll be fun, I promise. But every once in a while, if I'm going to pastor you well, I've got to help you to see beyond the situation you're in and challenge you to move forward. And so this past year, my, my, my beautiful iPhone, of which I hold too often and keep too close, it, it has this new feature called screen time. Anyone heard of screen time? And it's great for controlling your kids' screen time, and it should be great to help you control your screen time. And I got a report that literally said, in one hour, I checked my phone 22 times. What time is it? Did anybody email? Where's she going? They didn't like my social media posts? I mean, my own wife, she hasn't liked my posts yet? <laughs> 20, am I the only one? Come on, don't say amen, say oh me, all right? That, that's, that's, we, some of us, and so one of my goals, one of my goals this year is just to limit it. Some of you know that I've been very public, that I just, from the first of the year, I'm just fasting all social media, just completely just said goodbye for a season. Why? Because I realized that there are some things that are more important to me. Like, I want real FaceTime. Not on a screen FaceTime. I want people time. I, I want to I be with my kids. I want to be with my family. I want to I see you more closely. Listen, I love technology. I enjoy it. I am a tech person. But if you aren't careful, it begins to dominate your life, and you go an entire day without seeing a human being. And you weren't designed for that. You know that, that the human being, in order to be healthy, the, the scientists tell us that you, you need a physical touch nine times. Nine times you, you need some sort of a hug or a handshake or an attaboy or a good job. You need, you need nine physical touches in a day. Isn't that amazing? And some of us, were not even getting one. 
We shared this with our hospitality team some years ago, and we had a very exuberant lady on the hospitality team. Maybe you've met her out in the parking lot at some point, and she just came in. She said, I'm just, I'm having the hardest time. I mean, you said like, every time I meet a person, I need to touch them nine times. (laughs) We said, greet them, not stalk them. (laughs) Like, hug them, don't mug them. Y'all with me, everyone? We have to cut just one, one habit. Now, I'll tell you this, good habits are usually more difficult to start in the beginning, but they have a big payoff in the future. So the first time you get up and run in the morning, you don't lose nine pounds. But if you run for nine months, you will. If you'll change your habits, it will, the results eventually will change. But the, the, the opposite is true when it comes to bad habits. You know that bad habits, there's an immediate perceived benefit but there's negative results later. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's true that sin can actually be fun. The Bible says that that sin has pleasure for a season. There's an immediate perceived result. How how many of y'all would agree that that sin can be fun? Come on, raise your hand. Some of you, again, you didn't even want to raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, it's because you're lying or you didn't do it right. (laughs) We... We've all messed up, right? Welcome to One Hope Church. If you've got flaws, you're in the perfect place. If you've got issues, you're in the perfect place because this is a place where we're all honest about where we really are. I'm trying to change one habit, 1%, just to become better, to become more like God this year. I haven't arrived yet. None of us have arrived yet. When arrival day comes, we'll all know because Jesus will break the eastern sky and the whole world will know that he has returned, right? And, And listen, we won't be sucking air anymore. We'll be in heaven with God. It'll be a good deal. And when that day comes, we will celebrate. It'll be easier. We'll be done. But until then, just 1%. Till then, just one habit of change in your life. And, and, and so, like, so what we do is we, we tend to sneak out for, for the cigarette or we sneak out for the stress reliever and, and we think it's not a big deal. But here's what we've missed. Just like good habits are hard in the beginning but have great results in the future, bad habits, you go for the stress relief and then you wake up 15 years later with cancer and you wonder why. And here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to harp on any one thing. Please, for heaven's sakes, know that we, we all have issues. But I need you to understand that small little things that you do every day, just for a minute or two, just for an hour a day, they're going to impact your life in the future. And so what you have to do sometimes is play it forward. If I do this, this is what the eventual result will be. Well, then when I look at the eventual result, result is not something I want to be. I have to change You can't do it on your own. You're going to need God. And so the question of the day really is, how how do I break a bad habit? How? How do I do this? Well, you're going to need the grace and the power of God. Amen, everybody? You're not going to be able to do it on your own. I hate to break it to you. You can't. You're going to need the grace and the power of God. God designed it that way on purpose. But practically, once you have the power of God, here's what you need to do. It's a one-point message. You're going to have to make it difficult to do. If you're going to overcome a particular bad habit, you're going to make it, you're going to have to make it really hard to do that particular thing. See, listen, we, we all, we all realize good habits, they're easy to do, they're obvious. You have to make the bad habit hard to get to. Now, I told all of you guys just a few weeks ago that, that one of the things that I was fasting was bread and sweets. And so what that means is I cannot have a donut because it is both bread and sweet. Y'all with me? 
But we all have the tendency, if you want to break the bad habit, you have the, we have the tendency to you know, just walk by the donut for the first time. This is what I did. I just walked by and said, no, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to eat the donut today. But then the second time, you know what I did? I smelled it. Third time, I touched somebody else's donut just to make sure it was a donut. Fourth time, I ate half. And then as my friend said, I lost my donut virginity and I ate the whole box. Shouldn't have said that, but it was funny. This is what happens to us. If you want to overcome something, you have to make it difficult to do. In my family, historically, there, there's, there are lots of vices and struggles, and very early on, my father would tell us growing up that if you want to overcome something, you have to make it hard to do, and his reference point for that was alcoholism because it was rampant in our family, and my, even my uncle passed away because of his alcoholism, and so my dad would simply say, if you don't want to drink alcohol, you, don't, you just don't put beer in the refrigerator. You just, you make it hard to get, so you literally, it's not readily available. No, no, you have to go in public. You have to ask someone. You have to go through steps to actually go in the wrong direction to find that thing. And so what I'm talking about is just just building your defenses in the area that you want to change. How are you going to break the bad habit? Well, you're going to make it difficult to do. Here's what Proverbs 4 and 14 says, do not set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil doers. Would you say the next two words? Come on, all together it says, avoid it. Come on, say it again. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. What you have to do is make it difficult. So last week I showed you what we called a habit loop. A habit loop begins with a trigger, and then from the trigger, you have this action, and then you have a reward. What I want you to do, go ahead and throw it up there for me, is I want you to begin to remove the trigger out of your life. You have to recognize what is triggering the action and begin to build some defenses against the trigger. I'm going to give you five triggers, five major triggers in every one of our lives. Write it down with me very, very quickly. And that is a certain place, time, mood, moment, or certain people tend to be triggers for certain behaviors. Let's talk about people or, or let's talk about place and time first. Uh, and I want to talk about them together. And so, so here's the reality. What, what does that mean? Uh, you never, you're never going to overeat at the gym, correct? N- no one binge eats donuts at the gym because that's a particular place and time that you don't do that thing. You're, you're never going to get high at church. You're, like, you're, you're not going to do that. No, no, you do that at the Super Bowl party. You're never going to look at graphics or images you should not look in the middle of your child's recital. No, 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 we wouldn't do that there. But late night, when you're feeling bored and alone, you might do those things. In Scripture, you find the story of David and Bathsheba, where it says that when the kings would normally go off to war, David stayed back. And instead of going to war, he put himself in a position where he saw a woman bathing on another rooftop, and then he ended up committing adultery and then murder after that because he was in the wrong place and time. So if you want to break a habit, you just got to find, hey, if I'm all, when I'm in this place, in this particular time, I tend to do something that I am not proud of. Well, then you just don't spend any time in that place. Can I get an amen? You just don't spend any time there. The second trigger is our moods. When we are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, it's in that environment that we tend to do certain things. 
So when your soul is hungry, what do you feed it? When you're angry, what do you do? When you're lonely, what do you do? You should halt, H-A-L-T. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, you should stop and get around someone that has already defeated the area that you're struggling in. I have come to recognize that even as your pastor, there are days and times that my, my soul is hungry, and what I do in those moments really determines what the end result will be. And so I've built some big fences. I've made it real difficult to fall in the ditch around my house. I have healthy boundaries in my life. Let's talk about certain moments. There are some of us in, in a particular time and place or in a particular moment, we tend to do this right after. And so you get in a fight with your husband and that's when you call your girlfriend and have a man bashing party, right? Or maybe after a softball game, that's when you drink too much. Or maybe after you flunk a test, that's when you smoke pot. Or after you pass a test, you smoke pot. Or when you skip a test, you smoke pot. <laughs> Y'all seeing the trend here, right? Maybe it's a particular environment or moment. When that moment happens, I, I do this. I do this. Maybe it's a particular person that every time I go out with him or her, I, I wake up ashamed of myself. And can I just tell you that, that studies are conclusive. The closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to imitate their habits. There's a 32-year study of 12,000 people who were tracked and in the 12,000 people, what they found is if one particular person was living an unhealthy physical life, that there was a 57% increase that the people closest to them would start following that same unhealthy physical life. That if, if they were eating poorly, then the 57% would eat poorly with them. But they also found if you had one particular person who was going the opposite direction and they surrounded yourself with people who were eating well and taking care of themselves, that, that nearly 30% of them would lose weight with that person and be healthier with that person. The percentages aren't in your favor. If you're with the wrong people, you're likely to do the wrong thing. But the percentages are good if you get around the right people that you'll begin to do the right thing. Listen to what Proverbs 13 and 20 says, walk with the wise and you become, come on, say with you become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. So what I do particularly is I just, my closest friends, I make sure that they, they love God, that they go to church, uh, that they don't beat their children. Come on now, right? The, I make sure that they have a plan for their life, that they're doing good things with their money. I surround my closest friends. We have a similar goal in life. Now, does that mean I, I don't spend time with people who are far from God? No, no, no. I spend lots of time with people who are far from God, but I don't go to those people when I'm hungry in my soul. I go to those people when I'm strong and I'm ready and I have a, a strategic opportunity to be life-giving and loving and draw them near to God. But no, no, on the other times when there are days when I'm feeling weak, those are the days I spend close to my wife and my closest friends, they're a protection and a shield. This year, we're going to break some habits. Amen, everybody. This year, we're going to push forward and be closer to God. And so can you imagine how difficult it would be if my, my closest friends didn't love God? Can you imagine how hard it would be? It's almost impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. It's almost impossible. And so this year, it might, it might be your year just to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to fast that friendship till I'm stronger, and I may fast it forever. It may be, it may be time. <laughs> Thank you, Christian, my one friend over here. <laughs> my, my, my. 
Maybe you need to not only remove the trigger, put the second graphic up there, maybe you need to interrupt the action. Maybe you need to interrupt how you get there every time. So you're going to remove the trigger, but then you're going to say, you know what, this always follows that, so I'm going to make sure I, I remove that particular, particular action out of my life. If you're having trouble waking up and you hit the snooze four times, what are you going to do? You're going to put the phone or, 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 or the alarm on the other side of the room. Maybe you, you tend to look at inappropriate things on your phone, and so you're going to invite somebody who doesn't struggle with that to lock down your phone for you with a password that you don't know what it is. Maybe you're struggling with gambling or drugs or alcohol or, or sexual addiction. Maybe you need a severe measure of rehabilitation. But can I tell you, you'll be better for taking the step. You'll be better for stepping out in 2020 and saying, that was the year. That was the year that I broke that habit out of my life and I made sure that my kids wouldn't struggle with what I struggle with. Rather than handing it down generation to generation to generation, I have decided to break some things out of my life and I refuse to hand them to my children. Instead, I'm going to hand them life and love and joy and peace and God willing, I'll get them to heaven, right? God willing, I'll get them there. Why should we resist temptation tomorrow if you and I have the power to eliminate that temptation today? Write this down with me. The habits... The habits you have today will shape who you will become tomorrow. So do you like the direction of your life? Do you like where your habits are taking you? All you have to do is play it forward. If I do this, compound by 10 years, five years, 20 years, what will it produce in my life? And if it doesn't produce something that you want to become, now's the time. You're right in the middle of your 56,250 steps and you have the power to repent. You have the power to change. You have the power to turn because the grace of God is here today for you. You say, well, pastor, I'd love to remove the trigger. I'd love to interrupt the action, but I just feel weak. Listen to the Apostle Paul's word, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. He said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul said, listen, I found my weaknesses and I'm okay with them because I'm bringing them to God. Maybe tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and the enemy is going to say, you're not going to overcome this. And today, what I would say in that morning, say, thank you for bringing it up. Now I can bring that weakness to God. Now I can carry it to him. You can make it. You can do it. Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. You can turn around. You can break the habit. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you. Nothing has overtaken you. Like it, isn't, it, it, it doesn't have control. You, by the grace of God, have control, but such is common to man. What does that mean? Everybody. It's common to all of us. You struggle, I struggle, she struggles, they struggle, everybody in the room struggles. You're not the only one who's trying to overcome that. It's common to man. But God is, come on, say it. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with every temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will, will be able to endure it. You can make it out. You do not have to go that way. This whole series is very simple. Three questions. Who do you want to become? What do you need to start and what do you need to stop? Three questions. Who do you want to become? So what do you need to start based on who you want to become? And what do you need to stop in order to fulfill that prophecy, to become that person? 
Now, sometimes, sometimes the pain we have in our lives is a product of the enemy's attack. And sometimes it's because of our personal sin or someone else's sin or our own failure. But regardless of how the pain started in our lives, if we take responsibility for it, we can stop it. We can stop it. So when you begin to define yourself as an athlete, every time you work out, you say, that's what I am. If you decided you were going to be a musician, every day that you practice, you say, that's that moment. I'm a musician. Why? Because I practice it. You would say, you know what? I want to be a godly dad or mom. And so every time you pray with your kids, you're saying to yourself, that's who I am. That's who I am because I have the habit. Every time you serve and give and love, you're declaring to the world you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, that you are an overcomer in this world. So what we have to do is simply decide what we're going to stop. So we close today. Would you bow with me all around this room? Set your stuff to the side quietly in just a moment. We're going to conclude our service a little differently than we normally do with just a moment of worship together with an opportunity to define what you believe that God has called you to defeat in this new year. Before I do that, I want to invite any person in the room who's here today who's far from God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're far from God for any reason, this is your moment. You're one prayer away from connecting with God in a fresh and life-giving way. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand on your own I want to call you down to the front, but if you're here today and you need to come home to God or come to him for the very first time, would you whisper this prayer? I'll say the words. You say it right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.